Hi, I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. And today we are so delighted to bring you Margaret Burke. Margaret's a master storyteller. She performs at storytelling venues, uh, senior residences, women's gatherings and festivals. She co-produces and co-hosts storytelling events, and she teaches storytelling. And she's a former president and, and now presently treasurer of Storytelling Incorporated, a national association of storytellers with degrees in theater and communications and an early career in arts administration. Margaret returned to her love of the spoken word 15 years ago. And as a teacher, her niche is mostly women, particularly older women. So Margaret, we're really eager to hear about why storytelling is so important for women especially as we age. But um, let's first tell us a little bit about your background and how this, your passion for storytelling developed and has evolved. My, um, and my background is theater. So I uh, came to Chicago to teach theater at Kennedy King College, which I did for several years, and then had a theater company up on the north side. This was like in the 1970s. And um, then I got married and I had three babies. And that kind of life didn't work for, <laughs> for raising three little boys all within five years of one another. So um so after they were a little grown, I, I really um, loved the arts and stayed in the arts as um, a director of development for the Chicago Symphonietta, which is a professional. Uh, are you familiar with Symphonietta? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it was wonderful. And I was there for about 15 years. But um, then I, I really said, hmm, I'm raising a lot of money for other people to do their art. And I am ready to get back to my own. And by that time, um, by that time in the in my late fifties, I wasn't interested in theater anymore. But at that time, storytelling was really developing as a very broad and and a bigger um, uh, thing that people were interested in. And um, I really was drawn to that. So it kind of fit in with what my background was anyway, which was theater. And, and then I started to tell really working with a lot of traditional folk tale with mythology, um, you know, with that, the same kind of stories I was interested in with theater. But I must say along about my, when I turned 60, I just felt this desire. It was an internal thing to begin to tell my own stories and um, now I know that I was actually very age appropriate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what you you had to, you told me that women have a psychological need to tell their stories, especially as we hit that sixty and older mark. Can you yes. tell us about that? Yes, I'd say well, women, well, everyone, but uh, but I work primarily with women as well because as we age, we have an internal desire to to integrate the experiences of our lives, to kind of tie things together, to give meaning. Um, you know, it's it's it, it like it, we want to make sense of our lives. We want to make sense of our lives, and so we. It's just a natural thing. This love to tell our stories. Um, you know, with people ask us to tell our stories. Older people are always like willing 
to tell new stories. Grateful. Yeah, grateful. <laughs> Somebody mm-hmm. asked. Um, so, so we want to do that. And it helps us make sense, tie things together and make, make sense of our lives. And what I found for myself, now I, I primarily do um, personal stories and, oh, probably 30 or 40 stories I've written myself about my own life. But the very first story, and it's interesting because when we, I'll tell you a little bit about how I help people um, write themselves. But when a memory is live for us, when we still remember it, it means there's energy there. Mm -hmm. And where there's energy, there's uh, a gift. You know, like, why do I remember that? Of all the things I remember, why do I remember that? And one, the first story I ever wrote was um, a memory of cleaning the church with my mother. We grew up in this little village in Indiana, and uh, my mother was a member of the Altar Society. And every Saturday morning, she went to clean the church, and my sister and I went with her to clean the church. And we spent Saturday morning, but not only did we work, we got to play, you know. I mean, we got to do a lot of things on the altar that girls didn't get to do and, you know, do all kinds of things in this church. and. When I wrote that story, what I realized, my mother had died when I was 11, but the gift that she gave me was this deep spiritual grounding. Mm. All that time, I grew up with her, not just going to church and playing, but cleaning it, being in it, creating the beautiful space. Um, And... I wouldn't have been able to say that until I wrote the story and and it revealed itself. What's it? you know the gift, the legacy that she she gave me was this deep spiritual grounding. I was so grateful. I am so grateful for um, and then and and it helps us. You know, it helps to kind of like heal some some grievances. One of the classes, uh, one of the participants was working she had a grievance against her (laughs) mother-in-law and that's the end or where the energy was you know and we kept just encouraging her to explore that and underneath that grievance was this incredible sense of gratitude for all the ways in spite of that one thing for all the ways in which this woman had supported her through her life. And at the end of that story, she said, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you <laughs> for helping me go through that to the other side, the other side. To, to let go of something that, you know, that we've, uh, that we hold um, deeply. So yeah, go ahead. Is there I'm, just, I'm curious about, oh, go ahead, Gail. Is there some sort of a psychological release, do you think, that accompanies storytelling? Well, yes. Talking about your lives? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, The joy of just remembering people. And as we tell those stories about whether we're telling about, you know, whoever we're telling about, it brings us closer to them, right? Right. I tell this story about my uncle, my favorite uncle. And um, every time I tell a story, I, he's there. He's with me, you know? Uh, yeah, everybody. You know, so so they, whoever we're talking about, it brings us closer 
to them again. It makes them live to us. It brings their energy to us. And, um, and one of my favorite quotes is by um, Henry Louis Gates, who does, um, you know, the genealogy. Yeah, uh, the roots. And he says, our ancestors all want to be discovered. <laughs> they are there waiting for us to find mm -hmm. them, waiting for us to tell their story. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. you, you mentioned earlier that women are, anyone's grateful when somebody wants to listen to our story or asks us about our story. And I, I'm wondering, um, the, the women, especially that you teach and that you do workshops with, do they, how do they experience that? Are, are people wanting to hear their stories or there's some shyness well, about yeah. that? It, it's like, um, we, uh, what I say, and I teach a, um, a series of, of workshops uh, called Sharing Our Legacies. And what I think about our stories as we age is these are our heirlooms, you know. Uh, and uh, we know that I have my china and I'm going like, yeah, who's going to want my china, right? Um, or my furniture these days. And so, so what we might have passed down before, you know, we might not be able to pass down as easily these days. But... But the stories we pass down, these are our heirlooms. And sometimes people say, well, nobody, nobody would want to hear my story. Nobody wants to hear it. And what I answer is, somebody will someday. You know, someday somebody will. And if you don't write it, if you don't write it, you know, they won't have access to that. And interestingly enough, right now, I'm working on um, uh, a story about my father. And I was trying to, his father died when he was young and he died. We know he died in 1919 of the flu. So I've asked around to all my cousins. I said, do you think that was the Spanish flu? And we go, nobody ever passed that down. We, that's not something we ever heard. This week, Literally, my cousin in Indiana was going through some of my um, aunt's writings. And in a letter that she found, my aunt said, the oldest son was in the army. He came home with the flu. In 19, at the end, in November of 1918, he came home with the flu. We, we all got it. We tried to protect our father because he had a heart condition. We isolated him in the room as hard as we could isolate him. But he didn't make it. Mm. There's that piece of information. Right. And I, we were both going, she wrote it. <laughs> she wrote, she it. wrote it. We just had, we had to find it. <laughs> we had to find it. I'm curious to know, Margaret. Uh, so there's an art to storytelling, for sure. And, and some people do it, it seems, so easily, and others just can't tell a story worth their worth salt. And, and so <laughs> is there a way to teach people to be able to tell stories? Is there an arc or a mechanic to it that you can follow? Yes. Yes, definitely. When I'm teaching my legacy, class, sharing your legacy, I say, you know, you can do memoir, 
or you can do a story. And they're really two different art forms. The memoir is just the detail of the memory. The story is what was, what happened, and what is different now. And both of them are art forms. And some people are really drawn to memoir. And some people would like to take that. Because when you take it to the story form is when you find the, the gift. Like delving deep enough into that cleaning the church with my mother that I said, ah, I know what this is about. The woman who came to the you know, um, healing place with her mother-in-law. Ah, that's making the story. But the memoir and the teaching in memoir, you want me to talk a little bit about? Yes, Just please. 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 Teach that? Okay. Oh. So I would give people like lots of prompts, you know, in a, in a class, like, um, just throw out a couple things, an influential person, you know, a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, an influential happening, a trip, an accident, you know, an influential place, an influential object, and lots of things. And then I say, whatever bubbles up is what have energy. And then people would choose one or two of those to write about. And they'd write a who, what, when, and where. And then after that, we begin to develop that with sense memories. And sense memories are so key. What, what is that? Sense memories are sight, sound, taste, mm. touch. So that's when the story really begins to develop, mm. you know, because um, you would say, yeah, my, you know, we lived in this, we lived in this like big house. Well, what, how big was that house? What color was that house? How many rooms did that house have? Did that, and then you go into smell, you say, and oh, the fireplace, the fireplace was always, there was that aroma of the fireplace, you know, and then you go into touch, and then there was that rug that had been hand woven that was on that floor, and it was scratchy on my and it came from that woman who lived in the Southwest. That was my aunt. You know, so it's the way those senses then bring back. And the class I just taught right now, that exercise was like when they came back after I gave that exercise and they went home and wrote, they came back with going, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That opened so much more memory. For me, yeah. that every sense created a richer and a richer and a richer memory. You know, so so we develop it um, like that. And then, if you want to go on into story, then I would take them into. And so here's what happened, right? Here's here's the incident you're trying to remember, and and how did you change through that? Mm -hmm. yeah how did you change and that and then it's a story mm -hmm. I, I had I didn't I didn't realize that before from memoir to storytelling the, the, the difference so that's really really intriguing uh-huh uh, yeah. are there um particular issues or themes 
that come up for women, especially the older women that you work with? You know, it's, it's, it's really wanting to oftentimes honor a person. You know, I want to tell the story of this person. I want to tell the story of this friend and what she meant to me. And I want to honor somebody. I want to pass on. I want my children to know. I want my, as we talk about legacy, I want my children to know this person that they don't know. I want my children and my grandchildren to know this history. You know, uh, a woman was telling a story about growing up in Germany um, during the war. And, you know, that's a history that she doesn't want lost. So it's, it's, it's a lot about, you know, wanting, wanting people to know other people, other, other, the history of who we were and how we lived, you know, saying, believe me, we lived before television. Really? I want to tell all the things that we did before we had television, you know, let alone all the other uh, electronics. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking of, you know, of myself, um, it's maybe taking that incident and trying to make sense out of it. Why am I upset with this? Why do I still, you know, why, why was I, why was this such an influential thing in my life? Um, so we go back and, uh, and I'm just thinking of a particular story that I, myself, um, I went to this, to Ireland for the first time, which whereas my father is from in 2013. And there, we had no connection. My, my grandparents came in uh, 1870, and there was no connection with anybody in Ireland, ever. Mm -hmm. And so I said, you know, there's got to be some, <laughs> some cousins. And so the first time I went in 2013, and I just said, I want to, I'm going to see what's there. Mm -hmm. And by happen chance, I mean, I went, did a lot of research, but for a lot of just, you know, things that you wouldn't predict, I found a cousin and he actually still lives on the land of my grandfather and grandmother and has lived there. And his father and grandfather have lived there for the entire 150 years. He didn't know I existed. I didn't know he existed. He didn't know anybody in the United States. I didn't know anybody in Ireland. Now we are connected mm. after 150 years. Oh. And now we tell the story of the house that my great-grandfather built and the land that, you know, and the story. And when I called my son, talking about people, kids not wanting to know it yet, but when I called my son from Ireland and I said, you know, you won't believe what I found. And I told him and he began to cry. And he said, I didn't realize how important that was to me. Mm. But having connection with that ancestry mm -hmm. is really important to me. 
wonderful. <laughs> who would know? You know, who would know? Who would know? So, yeah. with the women who are writing their stories, mm-hmm. are and are they write? Who are they writing for themselves? Certainly, but to share with family. Does it? Do the stories go beyond family? Well. You know, mainly, I, I think there are two reasons um, we write for ourselves. I am, you know, a perfect um, advocate to say we write for ourselves. Probably first, um, you know, as we age, um, for all the reasons I talked about. And secondly, maybe just as equally important, we write for our, our families primarily. Most people are saying, I want my children and my grandchildren to know the story. And partly because, you know, we don't live close together anymore. Right. I know a lot of family stories because I sat around the table with all my uncles and aunts and cousins, yes. you know, mm-hmm. every weekend or something. Yeah. So, but our kids don't know that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we, we need to say, how are we going to, how are we going to tell them all these stories that in fact are really important to them? You know, there's a lot of psychology now that says that children who understand their family history and their family stories have more sense of confidence and, you know, sense of security and who we are. I'm a part of this bigger bigger thing. I, we had a big family reunion um, a couple, not last summer, but the summer before that. <laughs> and one of my grandsons came and he was like about five and we took a picture and it's up on their refrigerator. And when I go to visit, he points at that and he says, all of those people are my cousins. <laughs> Like, I'm a part right. of something really big. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and we'd like to, and, and we, we teach children through story much easier than we didactically teach them. Of course, that's a part of the, the, the function of story. And if we tell stories, you know, about, people who were courageous and people who overcame difficulties and people who were resilient and people who, you know, came back after hardship. Those people are somehow in their family. Um, That's part of them. That's part of their DNA as, as well. Mm-hmm. Gail, you look like you're ready to ask a question. I am. <laughs> I'm finding this so fascinating, Margaret. It, it, do you find that some people are reticent or reluctant to to tell their stories, to speak about them? Do you have any way of helping them get over that? Yeah, you know, I think that people who come to my class are like open to doing it, right? Right, they want to be there. But yeah, they want to be there. Right. But you know, um, I loved to sit with my um, mother and father-in-law. Mm-hmm. And um, particularly my mother-in-law was a real introvert, you know, so it's just on, uh, it's just casual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, what was, hey, did you, did, what was a day in school like for you? Mm-hmm. you know? 
Yeah. And um, uh, and I found that that both of them, as they got older, actually went more detailed into some of their memory. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad dad was a little hesitant. My my father in law, he remembered big things, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't remember small things. You know, um, and later on in his life, he would say, you know. I remember I was wearing a red plaid shirt (laughs) and that horse was a mean one. That horse, you know, that horse, he was a, he was a a wide, he was big. He was, had a long bushy tail and, you know, I had to stay out of his way because he'd kick me. Now, 10 years earlier, he wouldn't have told me that detail, Mm. that detail. So I, so to be, to be a, just to be open to taking the time, you know, there are, there are times when people are ready to talk mm-hmm. and are ready to tell stories. Yeah. And um, want one woman, one of my cousins um, had dementia and um, her sister said, Oh, you know, she doesn't remember anything anymore. And I said, and I brought some pictures, mm-hmm. some old pictures. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when she saw the picture, she remembered Detail, 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 detail. Oh, that was Mary. Oh, that's Betty there. Oh, that's Betty's husband, Tom. Oh, yeah. They, yeah I think they had three kids. We didn't see them very much. She went on and on and on um, because there was the, the catalyst, you know, that that sparked her. So, um, yeah, it. it I think if we gently ask questions or if we follow people's leads, you know, if you're mm-hmm. talking with a person and they're kind of saying, or you know that they, you know, that they have a particular interest or they, you know, like to go somewhere, you can just kind of <laughs> tease, tease them out, you know, sure. tease them out. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then they will, they enjoy telling if you're, if we're, if we're listening ears. Mm-hmm. Right. Not inter- not doing interrogation, but listening. Yes. Yeah, listening ears. Yeah, just listening, listening ears. ears. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if you say, you know, I think I said to mom or dad, I think you, I think you know, my kids would like to know something. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's a good reason to tell. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll we'll talk then. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to go back to the, you mentioned the book that you're working on. And so one of my questions for you is what's, what's, what's the, the, the passion for you, Margaret, the kind of stories that you want to be telling? Well, I am, I'm working on a book um, and this is just for my family. It's, it's, I will publish it in, in, but it's, I, I, it's just a really a legacy book, but my father um, died before I was married in any of my sons or grandsons were born um but there there's a, a real connection between my my youngest son and my father are he's doing exactly what my father did in the business my father was into a farmer raised black angus cattle became a butcher became you know went blah 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 this boy has followed that direction completely mm-hmm. and i'm going like is this dna <laughs> what is it? right and um so um there there was my father's desk and i decided to have it refinished for him 
And in the process of picking this desk up and having it refinished and realizing the connection between my youngest son and my father, I just thought, I wonder, I wonder, what if I tried to, to put this in a book? And as I began to research my father's business, I realized so much about him, what of a, a, on the cutting edge of his scientific place he was. He started a business 30 years later, it was obsolete. It was a, a frozen food locker plant. Um, but he was on the cutting edge of it. Mm. And um, then it sent me back through all the history and figuring out who he was at the age of 35 and how he got into this business. And, mm -hmm. and it's been fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. And I've got a lot of testimony. He hired all of the young, my cousins as they were growing up in college and mentored all of them. And so I asked them if they all had anything to write. And yes, mm -hmm. I have four beautiful testimonies mm -hmm. of the mentoring my father did to them as and when they were uh, in their early twenties, and I'm going like, wow. <laughs> "Wow, this needs to be preserved." Yes. You know? yeah. So, uh, so it, it is a project, and it's a big project, and it's taking me a while, but um, but it feels really, really good. Yeah. It's true, fabulous gift, yes. a legacy. Yeah, a legacy. legacy. And I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Very much. So when the pandemic is over, yes. what where will your storytelling take you? Now I know you're doing mostly on Zoom. Is that right? right? Yep. Yep. But now we all the story programs are on Zoom. Um, but I produce two shows in uh, Oak Park, uh, one at a brewery and one at a, a bistro. Uh, I don't think we're ready to go back inside yet, but... I will be doing um, outdoor venues. And so we did some outdoor venues um, last summer too. And I, right now I'm looking to solidify an outdoor venue, which, you know, will 50 or so people in the audience will be mm -hmm. safely dis mm -hmm. dispensed. And, you know, but now we can be outside and now we can go back to live storytelling, but it's going to be outside this summer. Mm -hmm. And, we will continue the Zoom programs. Oh, good, good. But uh, they're just not the same. They're not the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a live, a live show and a live audience. So um, we need to find out how to stay in touch with you so we can uh, be one of those, two of those 50 in your audience. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> before, oh, this is wonderful, Margaret. Before we close, you know, I... On your website, you, it says that you believe in the power of story, not only to entertain, but to touch the heart, spark the imagination, and embolden the spirit. And you've certainly given us a taste of that today. And I'm wondering, is there anything else you would like to, to say about storytelling, about its power? Oh, you know, uh, well, we live by story. You know, we have always lived by story. I mean, that is how, that is our form of communication. And um, so I know I would just say, you know, it's so, and it's what we do. It's the way we communicate. So just writing them or putting them into a structure that we tell on stage is just formalizing. 
mm-hmm. what we do all the time uh, when we are, you know, relating to one another. So uh, I just say, go out and find some, you know, look for storytelling. It's like a lot. There are a lot of venues doing storytelling and, um, and you, you can find them. Uh, you can do that. You know, I have an open mic and um, I invite people to come and, and try out a story. Mm-hmm. I have a curated show where I invite people, but I have an open mic. Open mic as well. And so, you know, people who are wanting to try it out, people who are writing, um, come try it out. We got an audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we'll make sure people Fun. know how to, how to be in touch with you. You mentioned a book to me, uh, Natalie Goldberg. Did you want to? Yes, I wanted to say, ah, what we didn't talk about is how to structure this. If people want to um, write, I really encourage some kind of structure. You know, it's hard to do when we're by ourselves. Get a writing partner, but somebody else who wants to write. Or, um, you know, join a writing group. uh, But Give yourself some structure. And here are some books I recommend. One book is Old Friends from Far Away. It's by Natalie Goldberg. And Natalie, it's it's a uh, it's called the practice of writing memoir, and so you know, get a buddy, get the book, make a date, and and do it, um, you know. And it's nice to have a group of you know. I lead groups, and we would um, meet once every three weeks, and then then that's a nice time where you have time to write, mm-hmm. um, and then you you share. Sharing is sharing is important. Sharing is important. Yesterday in my class, uh, we were writing and, and, and people, and I had people share. And, um, you know, they said, wow, writing is one piece, but sharing, mm. sharing yes. is where, you know, everyone was really touched mm-hmm. to, to, to both share their, their story and to hear one another's it's a blessing to share and to and to and to listen yeah Yeah. lovely yeah well thank you thank you so much we uh we look forward to following you yes (laughs) thank you it was wonderful thank you thank you for your program you know it's um wonderful wonderful what you do I, well, I totally, we're, it's a form of storytelling, isn't it? Our indeed, people. it is. Indeed, it is. We're sharing indeed. stories, yes. We are. Yeah. We are. And happy yes. to share yours. <laughs> yes. Gail, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Bye-bye.